When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Powered by Learfield. This is the Bobcat Insider, your exclusive look at Montana State Athletics. Now, here's the voice of the Bobcats, Jay Sanderson. Well, hey there, you have found the world's only podcast exclusively for diehard Montana State fans. Whether you found us on MSUBobcats.com or if you've subscribed on the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, we are glad that you are here. Well, it is a big one on Saturday as Montana State is back at home for week two of Big Sky Conference action, hosting the fifth-ranked Eastern Washington Eagles. Montana State head coach Jeff Choate calls this the most important game outside of the Cat-Grizz rivalry that he has had in his time as the head coach of the Bobcats. And I think many would agree. I certainly agree with that that assessment because Montana State has put together a good start to the season. The Bobcats are 3-1. and one. It's the best start since 2012 for Montana State. And this is a measuring stick game. It'll be a chance for Montana State to see exactly where it is in the growth as a program and see if it's ready to compete on a national stage with a program like Eastern Washington who has been there and done that. Montana State is, of course, coming off a 43-23 road victory last week over Portland State to kick off Big Sky play. Eastern Washington dominated Cal Poly a week ago, 70-17 at home. They ran it for 441 yards on 30 carries, setting a new Big Sky conference record at just under 15 yards per carry, which is a far cry from what Eastern Washington has been in the past. They have typically been regarded as a team that likes to throw the ball for a living. Well, if they can run the 
ball and throw the ball this effectively, they are an even more difficult team to prepare for. To preview it all, we are joined now by Larry Weir, the play-by-play voice of the Eastern Washington Eagles and two-time winner of the Washington Sportscaster of the Year. It'll be a fun one this week as the Eagles, the fifth-ranked team in the nation, come to Bozeman for a Saturday afternoon kickoff. And uh, Larry, we, we talked with head coach Jeff Choate about this on the Bobcat Insider television show yesterday, and he says this is the most important game that his team has played in his time as the coach of the Bobcats, with the exception of, the, of course, the in-state rivalry against Montana. Put this game in perspective for us from an Eastern Washington viewpoint. Well, I think it's a real important game this year, uh, Jay, for a number of reasons. Number one, both teams are one and zero in the Big Sky, three and one overall. Uh, it's uh, so it's a quality opponent you're going up against. Montana State, with Coach Choate and his connections in the Seattle area, is starting to make an impact in recruiting over there, and they snagged a couple or three guys out of Seattle last year that. Eastern was nosing around with as well, so I think it's an important game recruiting-wise, and it's a you know it's a great feather in the cap toward playoffs and seeding. Whether you win the conference or not, if you want an at-large berth, getting a victory over a Montana State or over an Eastern Washington is a, is a big deal. So I think over a number of, of reasons, whether it's postseason within the conference race or in recruiting for years to come. This is a game that carries a lot of importance. Plus, without Eastern playing Montana this year, uh, Montana State and Idaho are probably uh, the biggest rivals that Eastern has on the schedule within conference play. Well, Eastern Washington is coming off an enormous win last Saturday, beating Cal Poly 70-17. to And over the last couple of years, Head coach Aaron Best has said he wants to run the ball more. He wants it to be a more of a team that has greater balance, especially with, with regard to running the ball. Well, he got his wish on in, in that game against Cal Poly. 30 carries, 441 yards, uh, a new big sky record at 14.7 yards per carry, which is just remarkable. How did Eastern Washington do it? Well, they've got a, an experienced offensive line. Uh, that's been together for three years now. So that's number one. Uh, number two, they have experienced running backs who have been playing now for three years. Uh, there's the second thing. I think Cal Poly had a little bit of a weakness to the run, and some people said, well, that's because they played North Dakota State in the first uh, a week of the season, and I can certainly see that. Uh, but I think they were um, a, a little less prepared for a running game than they were a passing game. And, and Eastern all year has been impressive on the ground. They were impressive on the ground against Northern Arizona, against Central Washington, and in this game, and really in the second and third quarters at Washington State, they rolled up and down the, uh, the field as far as uh, the running game goes. So uh, this is a, a, an Eastern team that maybe is dangerous as any that I've seen, because they can run the ball so successfully. They aren't just a passing team anymore. Uh, it goes back to me, to the Taiwan Jones days um, in, in the late 2000s and then in 2010, as far as having a, a, a marquee running game. But then it was just Jones. After you got by Jones, you took a big step down. Now you've got three guys in Sam McPherson, Antoine Custer Jr. and Tameric Pierce, who are all capable of being Big Sky Conference starting running backs. And then you've got a fourth guy in Dennis Merritt, who is an excellent backup. It's just too bad that he's fourth string and he gets very little playing time. So they've got a number of running backs. 
uh, veteran offensive line that's deep this year. They've got eight or nine guys that are comfortable in playing. And, uh, uh, you know, they've got the threat of the pass game with Gubrud and the threat of the quarterback running with Gubrud. And I heard Coach Cho talk about that uh, on Monday in the press conference. And he's exactly right. When your quarterback is not a statue back there and he's got the ability to run, it changes everything for the defense. And I think Gage does that with Eastern, uh, not as much as Anderson does with the Bobcats, but uh, he still has that threat to run. What's really interesting about Eastern Washington is I think back to 2014, 2015, when when Eastern was really rolling offensively, the knock on the Eagle program was that they were not very good defensively, that they they had to try to outscore everybody they played. And that is just not the case anymore. Defensively, Eastern Washington last week gets two defensive scores in beating Cal Poly. And so as you've watched this thing evolve over the last four or five years, how have you seen the defense change for the Eagles? Well, I think at this point in time, they're healthy. You know, last year really hurt to lose the nose tackle, J.T. Chiuli, the injury in week two of the season. He, he was the only real size they had. They had a lot of young tackles who have grown a little bit in the off season. So they're not, if the same thing were to happen this year, they've got a little bit more uh, backup in there for him. Uh, but they were playing a 250-pound nose guard when Chiuli went out last year. Uh, so that really hurt them. Um, and then I think, again, this is a veteran team. You know, there's 28 seniors. There's four senior cornerbacks. There's, you know, two senior safeties. There's two senior linebackers. There's seniors on the defensive front. Uh, you know, they just have so much experience on this team. And like I said, the health is, is, is great. Um, you know, the Washington State game didn't turn out the way they thought. That's kind of skewed their statistics a little bit. But they still need to get better in forcing turnovers. They've only forced four in four games. Uh, they're doing a little bit better this year in getting off the field on third down, but not a lot better, just a little bit better. So they still are having some of the issues they've had in the past and being able to get themselves off the field. It's going to be real interesting to see what they can do against an FBS opponent whose attack can be balanced. Montana State is first and foremost a running team, but Anderson can throw, or you can be Grove again, and, and he can throw. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, this defense has made some strides, but I want to see what they do this coming Saturday and, and in a couple of weeks against Weaver State before I uh, start saying there's been a huge turnaround here. I want to come back to the offense. We talked a little bit about Gage Gubrud, but he, he enters this game on Saturday 327 yards away from 10,000 passing yards for his career. He'd be just the fourth Eagle to ever do that. And uh, I'm curious what perspective. You've been around the Eagle program for quite a while, 20-some-odd years, and you've seen a lot of these guys that have come before him play quarterback. Where does he rank in terms of just how good he has been for the Eagle program? Oof. Yeah, that's like asking you to name your favorite kid almost. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he, he's right in there with those guys. You know, Eric Meyer, Matt Nichols, Bo Levi Mitchell, Vernon Adams. You know, he's, 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 he's performed at that level. Uh, all these guys are a little bit different. Uh, so Gage is probably the one that runs the most. Adams kind of got the, the reputation as being a runner, but he was more of a extending play guy, not as much of a, a runner down the field as Gage is. So he's a little different. Nichols was more of a classic uh, drop back, uh, uh, you know, pro style passer. Uh, Mitchell had some of that as well. Uh, Eric Meyer had the great pocket presence and could move around in the pocket. Again, not a great runner. He and Adams were probably more alike in that. But Gage is the one guy out of that 
who is really a, a major consistent threat in the running game. And, and you know, when some of these guys, guys played, you didn't have the, the RPOs, the run pass option type things. Uh, so Gage is, is, he and Adams really are the only guys that have played in that type of the system. And, uh, you know, Gage is a better runner, I think, than Vernon was. I don't know that he extends plays quite as well as Vernon did with scrambling uh, in the backfield and still be able to make good throws going either direction. Uh, but Gage is certainly, uh, you know, a huge threat as a dual threat uh, quarterback and has had a tremendous career and is playing very well this year. Had the three interceptions against WSU, had a bad throw last week against uh, Pauly, and that's probably been his one that he'd like to get back this year, uh, that particular throw against Cal Pauly. He's been really good this year. I mean, 13 touchdowns in four games, that leads to the Big Sky Conference. So, uh, you know, he's, he's been great this season. He's had a tremendous career, and, uh, and he's a great young man. One of the things Aaron Best talked about in the offseason with regard to his team and why perhaps they didn't make the playoffs last year or didn't close in a couple of games here or there that would have gotten them into the playoffs was that the offense did not take enough shots downfield. From what I've seen, they've changed that. They have fixed that this year because it looks to me that the passing game is one of two things. It's either a screen or a quick pass, you know, four or five yards down the field, or it's a shot. They're going for the home run a little bit more this year. Uh, how have they used that mix of the difficulty to, to, to defend the screens and then the shorter passes and use that to balance and mix in the, uh, the deeper shots down the field? Oh, I think it all starts with the improved running game. Now your safeties have to come up a little bit because Eastern's gashing them uh, with the running game. So now the safeties have to be more cognizant to the run. And so I think that you are getting, especially with play action, the opportunity to take more shots because the safeties have to respect the run game more maybe than they've had to do in years past. So I would say that is a big part of it. And then the other thing, with as far as taking some, some shots go, they've had some big pass plays, um, but some of those have been on short gains that Simba Webster primarily has turned into big gains. Uh, they might be 10-yard throws that he's turned into 50-yard plays or something along those lines with his speed. Um, so they can, they've been able to get defenses off balance this year uh, with the run game, with the screen game, as you said, taking some shots and uh, you know, this team is difficult to defend because I don't know that there's something that they can't do offensively. They've got the mid-range passing game. They've got the deep passing game. They get the short passing game, the screen game, and the run game. Um, I think that when you, have some, uh, when you have a team that is proficient in all that, you have a team that's really hard to defend. And then special teams-wise, uh, Eastern Washington has 17th-year senior Roldan Alcobendez back. I say that tongue-in-cheek. He's a six-year player, but it seems like he's been there forever. In fact, the uh, first trip that he made, this will be his third game. He's played in Bobcat Stadium or been on the team with Eastern coming to Bobcat Stadium. In 2014, he blew out his knee in this game in Bozeman. Uh, but he is like old reliable, old steady Eddie back there kicking the ball for Eastern Washington. You know, he doesn't get enough credit, Jay, in, in my opinion. He's a pretty solid kicker, especially from 40 yards and in in his career. Uh, and this year he has a couple of field goals beyond 40 yards, and he, he's looked really good uh, with some of those kicks. And, and uh, the coaches are now thinking they may let him try a, a 50-yarder plus, which is something they wouldn't have done in past years. Uh, and, and he's, I think, two years off now from his latest knee injury. So, 
Uh, you know, he battled back from two knee injuries, plus he had one coming in uh, in his senior year in high school. So uh, this is a young man that's had to battle a lot of adversity. He is two points away from becoming Eastern's all-time kick-scoring leader. Um, and he's been really consistent in the, in the place-kicking game. And this year he's added the punting duties. Uh, to his uh, uh, to his job description as well, and he's done really well with the punts. I think he had one off the side of his foot last year, uh, last week with the wind at his back. That's really the only bad punt that he's had this season. He's been really consistent um, with the punting this year. He's had some good success with that, and and I think he's enjoying the dual role. And then they've got uh, kicking off a young man by the name of Andre Slider, who is booting the ball through the end zone more often than not. So. Uh, the other teams having to start at the 25-yard line and not with better field positions. So special teams have been, uh, for the most part, a strength of Easterns this year, except for one uh, fumble recovery on a kickoff return by Dre Dorton against WSU. And then I want to ask you about the return game. I, we've seen a lot of different th- ways teams to this point have handled the new uh, rule on kickoffs where you can fair catch it and bring it out to the 25. What have you seen, what have you observed from Eastern Washington with regard to how they've handled that? Well, they've, uh, usually if the ball's gone into the end zone, they've taken the fair catch this season, uh, even if it's only a couple of yards deep. Or last year, they tried running a lot of those out. So usually, uh, from what I can see, the, the rule is if it's in the end zone, you take a knee down. Uh, if uh, you get a, a high kick that comes down inside the five, I believe Dorton has run all of those uh, out this year. Uh, Dre Sante Dorton is Eastern's uh, kick return guy. Uh, he is an explosive guy back there. He's averaging about 25 yards per kickoff return. He averaged 27 or 28 last year. So he's an explosive guy. He can take it to the house. He wants to return those kicks. And so far they've given him the latitude that if it comes down inside the 10, uh, even if it's a high kick, go ahead and, and give it a shot if you want. Very good. That's Larry Weir, the longtime play-by-play voice of the Eastern Washington Eagles. Montana State and Eastern Washington get together for a 1-10 kickoff at Bobcat Stadium on Saturday. Larry, looking forward to seeing you guys over here. Absolutely, Jay. Looking forward to it. Should be a great game. Well, that's as good a preview as you'll get on Eastern Washington from their perspective of things. Let's now take a look at things from the Montana State side of the story. Here now are the comments from Bobcat head coach Jeff Choate at his weekly news conference. Just quickly recap the Portland State game. First of all, as, as Bill and I were alluding to uh, in the hallway a moment ago, what an awesome uh, fan support we had. I thought that, that was really blown away by how many people, and I think it speaks to kind of some of the commitments that we've made in uh, our recruiting efforts over the last couple of years in the Northwest. Uh, we do have a lot of you know Westerside Washington kids. We've got a handful of, uh, of Oregonians on our roster and, and Northern California kids, and so it was, uh, we had great support. Um, and uh, you know, really appreciate the family and, and uh, good Bobcats for making the trip to Portland. Uh, starting off with our internal scout players of the week. Um, these young men, again, they don't always get their uh, their names in the paper on uh, on Sat for what they do on Saturday. But I, I feel like this week uh, our preparation was as good as it had been. Some of the challenges that Portland State presented us on defense, and and as well as uh, the diverse style that they could play on offense. And so uh, on offense, Peyton Hansner, uh, a young man from uh, from Billings Central Catholic High School, was our offensive scout player of the week. Uh, it's really starting to kind of press and has, has made some strides over the last couple of, uh, of weeks. And hopefully he'll be a guy that can get into the mix at some point. But he did an awesome job helping us prepare this last week. Uh, on defense, not picked by the head coach. I want to make sure I, I say that. Uh, Jory Choke from, uh, from Bozeman High. 
Uh, he kind of simulated the flex linebacker for us this week and did an awesome job in that regard. And then kind of his, uh, his running mate, uh, the other freshman inside linebacker, was our special teams player of the week, Nolan Askelson from Billing Senior. And so uh, those guys did an awesome job helping us get prepared. Uh, and then on Saturday, I think it showed up. I think we were able to single up their flex linebacker on Troy on a nice wheel route that Tucker hit him down the sideline. Uh, the scrape and, and, and wrap um, schemes that they were using where their three technique was going to be on our, our quarterback on some of our zone read stuff. And we got awesome looks all week on that. And uh, certainly when you, you, know, you rush for over 200 yards, you have over 100 yards passing and, uh, and you catch a ball for 32 yards, uh, that probably constitutes the internal player of the week. I know he was not selected for Big Sky honors and it's hard to get uh, to be the Big Sky offensive player of the week because there's a lot of guys that put up some unbelievable numbers. Uh, but I certainly think Troy had as good a game as anybody in the country at our level last week in terms of his productivity. So he was recognized as our offensive player. On defense, a guy that we missed over the last couple of weeks, He's played in two games and has two interceptions for us. Uh, I think he does a really nice job as our post safety. He plays at a different speed, I think, than a lot of our guys in the back end. And uh, excited to have him back healthy was Jacque Allen. And then on special teams, uh, a guy that you know a few, a few weeks ago was our special team scout player of the week. And here, all of a sudden, now he's our special teams player of the week. Uh, and that's uh, um, James Campbell. And so James is starting to really o take ownership over that role right now. And I think uh, that's the entry level of play. And the better job you do in the role you have right now, the more likely it is that that role is going to expand. So I'm proud of his efforts there. And, and uh, it was an excellent team win. It's hard to get road wins, as I said, after the game in this conference. And so um, that, that set us up for, uh, you know, as I told our guys yesterday, that what winning on Saturday did was it made this game that much more meaningful and, and more important. And uh, I'm excited because, um, you know, we've worked really hard around here to have a game against a really good opponent in, in our place that's a meaningful game for us. Uh, outside of maybe the Montana game, which has you know implications internally and statewide, but not necessarily in the conference. And so, um, you know, we got that. We got a really good opponent coming to town, and uh, and you know I think we've we positioned ourselves early and through our non-conference play and uh, and by getting out of the gate in conference play to to make some noise. And so now we'll see where how good we are. And so you know you, when you start talking about Eastern Washington. Uh, certainly continuity there is, is, is one of the things that, that one of the words that stands out, you know, going from Coach Baldwin to Coach Best and just not seeing a lot of difference. I mean, they, um, they kind of plug and play guys. And then the guy that's been the carryover, the real bridge guy for Coach, for coach Best has been, um, has been Gage. You know, a guy that kind of was, was the, the tail end of, of Bo's time there at Eastern and then carrying through now. And if you ask me to, to describe Gage in one word, it would be awesome. I mean, I think he is as good as there is. And uh, just really, really impressed with his mastery of the system, his ability to play different styles. They're not one-dimensional. They're not at all. I mean, this guy, uh, they forced the balance would be the, another word I would use to describe their offense. You know, certainly they went off against, um, <laughs> against Cal Poly last week in the run game. I, you know, I don't necessarily, you, you can't just say, okay, we're going to hand the ball off on inside zone and get 60-yard runs. But that's, some of that happened late in the game. I think there were some things that took place there that, but, they're committed to running the football, and they have two excellent backs, and they're kind of a one-two punch uh, with with uh, Sam number twenty, and then the Custer kid number twenty-eight. Really good balance. Both of those guys can do it all. They're good blockers. They're willing blockers. They catch the ball well out of the backfield. They bring a little bit different style in the run game, but I mean, number twenty, Sam's got over five hundred yards in four games rushing. So I mean, that clearly speaks to their commitment to run the ball, and that just makes defending Gage even more challenging. And then when things break down. We thought we had our hands full last last week with number six running around. When number eight running around, it's even worse because scramble drill is 
something that they probably put in on day one, and they're excellent at it. And uh, then if he if he doesn't like what he sees, he's he's a lot faster than you think, and he can make a lot of plays with his feet. Um, last year, this game game came down to two things, and I don't necessarily think that you can look at last year and compare it to this year, but. I think it could come down to these two things again, and it's our ability to get off the field on third down, which we could not do last year, um, and our ability to put points on the board in the red zone, which we turned the ball over three times in the red zone. We couldn't stop them on third down. That was the tail of the tape. And so then you turn to special teams, and this is a team that has a very good kicker right now. I think he's a hot guy that can, can convert for them when they do want to do that. They've controlled field position in the punt game. And they've been really good on kickoff return. They really they, they, they hit a couple of, of explosive kickoff returns against uh, Washington State a few weeks back. And so that's an area where we've got to be our best as well. And so that's kind of um, kind of what you get with Eastern Washington. So questions? about um, Gage and just his ability to play different styles. So how difficult have you found it to you know, come up with a plan well, it's, you know, it's like throwing spaghetti on the wall, right? I mean, you know, but, but you get too carried away in that regard and you're not going to fit anything right. So, um, you know, I think one of the things they do, they use tempo, multiple, multiple formations, multiple personnel groups. They'll run some option. They'll run some Q run game, you know, Q power. Uh, and so they make you defend a whole lot. And, and, and one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to blitz because now you're one-on-one -on -one with all these great receivers that they have down the field. And so I think it's just a, um, you know, it, 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 I talk about the red zone. They're going to get their yards. That's who they are. They're going to get their yards. What we've got to do is we've got to play really, really good red zone defense and try to limit them to field goal opportunities when they're down there. The offensive line, what would you say is the biggest improvement over the past two games? With our offensive line, I think it's the biggest improvement has been our coaching staff deciding that we were going to be who we are. And I don't think we were that. Certainly, first half of the Western Illinois game, and uh, really, you know, we were kind of a lost uh, outfit against South Dakota State. And so that stuff being ancient history over the last two weeks, um, I think we've just said, hey, this is who we need to be to be successful right now. And uh, I think it's really helped our offensive line to feel comfortable, and, and they've done an awesome job over the last two weeks for sure. How satisfying is it running for 325 yards, giving the philosophy? Yeah, I think that's it, it opens everything up. I mean, you even look at Eastern, who's kind of got this reputation as being, hey, we're going to be pass happy and do all this stuff. And you look at the balance that they have and how much more dynamic that makes them on offense. And so I think the ability to run the football, and I'll say this, I don't think a lot of people understand this. The quarterback having the ability to run the football is a nightmare for defenses. Because if you've got a great running back and you've got a guy who's a statue handing it off to him, all eyes are on that running back. But if you put 15 back there with 22, that's a problem. You got to defend the guy who's taking the snap as well as the other guy. And I don't think a lot of people understand that that's the nuance of modern football, especially in the college game, that is so different. I mean, you look at what happened in Montana this week. I don't know exactly how he did it, if he was scrambling. I haven't watched the game tape, but for Dalton Sneed to run for over 200 yards, okay, that was the difference in the game. That was clearly the difference in the game for them. And so um, that's scary. And that's what I, that's what's, that's why Gage is so – when I knew it was awesome, okay, he's got the ability to run the ball, you know, like a Chris Murray or like a Dalton Sneed, but he can throw the ball at such a high level too. And so it's, you know, pick your poison there. And I, and I think that's just the, the ability to run the football opens everything else up, whether that's Q runs, whether that's dominating the line of scrimmage and running power and creating opportunities down the field in your play-action game. That's the whole key. 
is, is if you can run the ball, you can do anything. I think it's called recruiting. And if you're at Georgia and you're getting a five-star guy who's the number one rated high school quarterback in the country, and you're trying to get him as a true freshman to come to a place where you got a redshirt for, or a sophomore that's playing quarterback for you, you better play the kid or he's going to go somewhere else. And so uh, I think that's the trend. If, if, For lack of a better way of saying it, you know, when you go into a house and, and you're recruiting a, a five-star or a four-star guy, what do they all want? They all want to play right now. And you have to be able to convince them that they're going to be able to play right now. And then you better play them because the next year when you're recruiting that other four or five-star kid and you're telling them that they're going to come in and play, the team that, if you're not playing that kid, the team that is recruiting against you, they're going to be saying, well, they told Johnny the same thing last year and he's sitting on the bench. And so I think that's what you're seeing now is if you want to be able to collect and keep talent, you better be able to have a system that can allow for those guys to play. And it's a different world. It is. Talked about some alignment things on defense, but over the course now of four games, how can you maybe evaluate uh, your backers and just how they've, uh, they've performed and uh, maybe just the, the re-addition of Chad to know what that means for the group? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Chad dragging one leg around the field was better than what we've been putting out. I mean, is what it is. And so I think that helps. I think he's going to continue to feel better. And, and as he continues to feel better, he's a good football player. He's a big sky caliber type of linebacker. And so excited about having him back. I think Grant, especially against heavy run teams, is going to be such a critical guy for us. You look at, you know, when we get to play a Weber State and we get to a Cal Poly, I mean, he's going to be a guy that we have to have because his physical presence in the middle of our defense is, is, is something that we've sorely lacked at times in the past. And so I think those guys um, this week, I don't know. I mean, how many linebackers do we need to play? You know, I mean, we'll see. You know, it, that's going to be an interesting deal for us. But I think that's going to be something to pay attention to. The evolution of that group and how they continue to improve is going to be an important part of our success down the stretch. Um, defensively, kind of who we are right now, I think we play reasonably good on third down and we played reasonably good in the red zone. Okay, we've given up a lot of yards. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of defenses that do that, even Eastern, who I think is a vastly improved group. Um, they give up a good amount of yards, but they play really good on third down and they play really good in the red zone. And so in this league and, and kind of in modern football, that's, that's what you're dealing with, with all these up-tempo offenses. And so uh, I do think it's something to keep an eye on. I don't think we're a finished product there, but we'll keep working. We talk about the quarterback run. Troy being uh, a guy who's transitioned from running back, do you consider to have wildcat principles within your quarterback running system, or how would you define the quarterback running system? I think it's more it's more old school single wing than it is wildcat, you know. I mean that's how I would probably describe it. And so you know, I mean you're snapping to the ball to a guy that is a runner, um, and you have to account for that. I mean you've got to leverage the the edges of the field differently than you are against a guy who's going to maybe, you know, throw the ball into the flat or or run a curl flat concept. And so I think that's a, you know, it's a hard. I mean I would I would much rather play a team like a Washington State. That is just going to say, okay, here's our here's our six or seven route concepts, and this is what we're going to do, and we're only going to run inside zone because they may beat you, but they're not going to take your will, and that's the bottom line. What does Eastern bring to the table with their defense? I'd say that this is what I see differently. I think Eastern number ninety nine, they're, they're they're big defensive linemen. I think you know he's a next level type of body. You know, six three, six four, three hundred plus pounds. 
that guy is a, he's a massive human in the middle of their defensive line, and they're a 3-4 base. And having him back, he was injured last year for part of the season. Having him back, I think, really solidifies their front. I think this is a very, very well-coached sound unit. They run to the football, they tackle well in space, and they are not out of position. And so you have to earn everything you get. So can you move the ball and get some yards? Yeah. But watch these guys play in the red zone. They don't give up a lot of big plays, which is you know, a very, very important part of this, making teams earn it because self-inflicted wounds, whether it's a mistake, a, a penalty, whatever that's going to get them off schedule, you know, if you can put together an 11-play drive and go right down the field and score a touchdown, you're a pretty good outfit. I'm sure they'd tip their hat to them and shake their hand and say, good job, do it again. But that's what they try to make you do. And uh, they don't bring a lot of... Um, they don't bring a lot of man pressure. They'll bring what we call bogus pressure, where they're creating the illusion of bringing five guys, but they're really only bringing four, and it mixes their coverage looks, and I like what they're doing on defense. At what point in Troy's career did you realize it could be someone who could play all these positions? Even in the recruiting process, you know, because we were talking, you know, I remember he comes to our camp, and, and like I said, he's such an aw shucks kid, and we're like, all right, well, he'd been, he played quarterback and safety basically at Beaverhead County High School. So I'm like, well, you know, Gerald Alexander, who was our secondary coach at the time, I'm like, well, get him over there and, you know, do some backpedal drills and some shuffle agilities with him and see what he looks like, see if he can transition. Because a lot of times these guys that, you know, they, they're great athletes, but their functional movement in terms of what you're going to ask them to do as a football player isn't, isn't the same. And, you know, he's like, no, not like this, like this, Troy, not like this, like this. And you show him one time and he's got it. And I'm like, what do you think? And he goes, oh, yeah, he's, he's a dude. He could probably play safety. He could probably play linebacker. He could probably play receiver. He could probably play tight end. You know, so, I mean, I think he's, that's who he is. What sort of key will your defensive line be and maybe even their conditioning against a team like Yeah, this I think you got to be smart. I mean, you know, a, a pass rush is a max effort deal, right, if you're doing it right. And if you've got to do that 50 times a game, you know, you're probably not going to be very good in the third quarter, fourth quarter. And I think that ha that happened to us last year for sure. And I think that happens to a lot of teams that play Eastern. You know, they um, whether they're behind or they're just in a mode where they want to run you out of there, they'll, they start using their tempo. And so we've got to be calculated and smart. And we've got to do a good job of hockey shifting and, and, uh, and working our transitions with our defensive front to keep them fresh. Um, but I do. I will say this: just watching these guys on film, they're doing a little bit more up tempo, true up tempo stuff, that can be a problem for you. And they're they're carrying it through personnel groups, which, you know, usually if they want to go fast, they might get in ten personnel, one back, and no tight ends, and then just go. Well, now they'll do it, with, you know, in eleven personnel too, and uh, and then close it back down and get into a run set. So they they present a ton of challenges. Is Bryce start giving you uh, what you thought you'd get out of him when he's leading the league in sacks and tackles for loss at this point? I think he's done a nice job. You know, I mean. Never a finished product. I think there's a lot of things that Bryce can do better. I think with his skill set and his ability level, uh, certainly he's been a great addition to our team. I think he's, more than anything, I think he's been an awesome teammate. I think he's fit in here in Bozeman at Montana State. I think he's happy. And if you're happy, you can be productive and successful. And I think that's a big part of his, his comfort level right now and, and his success. He's got good roommates. He fits this place. You know, he's a Montana type of kid. And, uh, and I think you're seeing that, you know, in his play. You know, there's some joy in his play, which is awesome to see. And, uh, you know, I, that's, that's what I'm most happy for the kid is that he's getting an opportunity to be him and, and just enjoy his college football experience. And, and as he enjoys it, we'll coach him up and he'll continue to get better. And, and we're very fortunate to have him right now. What is that the dynamic like with the, with the Brock brothers and how do you kind of see them? Um, 
you know, I think I've said this a number of times, you know, and, and I used to say this, and, and I probably meant it more. You know, Wilson's kind of a really easygoing, kind of happy-go-lucky guy, one of the more popular guys on the team, and Mitch was more serious. But you know what? I've seen Mitch. Mitch is more relaxed. I think he's more comfortable in his own skin now. I think he's more, um, you know, I think he's kind of like kind of like Bryce. I think he's in a good place. He's he's doing well on the field. He's doing well in school. You know, it's, it, life is good right now for those two boys, and and. Uh, I think that's awesome. So, I mean, I think they're, I think they're maybe, and I, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but maybe one of it is one of one of the pieces there is, you know, they've been doing nothing but playing sports together since they were this big, right? Since they were little tiny boys, and now they see this as the end of the road because Wilson's a senior, and this will be the last opportunity that they have to play together. And so maybe that's part of it is that they're just looking forward to really enjoying this time together and and uh, maximizing it. On Greg's question, Bryce and I have talked a lot about how his ability to get loose in the pass rush has come a lot from Tyron Bond on the other side. And how much impact has he had on that strong end? Oh, he's been a he's been a huge difference for us. You know, because he can build the wall to the field, and then you know Bryce can use his speed to get around the edge. And um, I think I think quite honestly, I think how Tyrone goes, and then on the interior, how Zach go or how how uh, Tucker goes. I think that complements Tucker compliments Zach Wright. The better Tucker's playing, the more productive Zach's going to be, and Tyrone compliments Bryce. And so I think those guys working together is a huge part of our ability to be successful. I know he's, he's, he's been playing with injuries. What is Tyrone's biggest improvement he's made this year? I just think he's, he's kind of been all in, you know. I mean, I think he, again, knows this is his last ride. And uh, he's – I've seen a, a kind of a higher level of commitment from him in the off season. Um, he's a quiet guy by nature, but on the field, he's very much our emotional leader on the front. And so you kind of see that. You know, if you come to practice, he's the guy that is always instigating. You know, I mean, he's going at Connor Sullivan, and they're you know back and forth all the time. And so I think that's that's an aspect that I think he realizes that that energy that he creates sometimes that he manufactures is actually a key to his game. And I think he's kind of embraced that too. Good. Uh, no. Is, is this the biggest game? Uh, <laughs> you, you kind of touched on it being a, a you know having a, a big opportunity here, but it, is this the biggest game of your tenure here so far? What you say? I mean, <laughs> we all know what the biggest game is around here, right. okay? And so I think that uh, you know I I think that we're ready to go measure ourselves against an excellent team within our league, okay? Um, and then we'll see. You know, I mean, I, they're, they're the class of the league, right? They were picked by, by the media and the coaches to win the league. They've got a quarterback who I think is a legitimate Walter Payton Award candidate. They've got a 9 of 11 starters on offense, 9 of 11 starters on defense. Okay? That's a good outfit. That's a good outfit. We can't say that about ourselves right now. And so we've got to just find out where we stack up against the best in this league. And I, I think right now, you know, you're, you're measuring yourself against the Weavers and the Easterns in terms of the recent past in this league. And certainly they're coming to our house, and that's a positive for us. But, you know, we got to have a great week of preparation. And we got to go compete as hard as we can compete. And we got to play mistake-free football. And that's what it's going to take to have an opportunity to win this game. One more. Did you happen to see the comments that Coach Barnum said? I think I got some anecdotal stuff. Um, Barney, I don't know who interviews Barney, at what time they're interviewing him, or what's going on there. Like, that was you? <laughs> was it in the morning? Or <laughs> um, 
No. He's pretty loose, yeah. He, I, I know, I've, I've known Bruce a long time. He's, a, he's a, a kind of off the cuff. He's a funny guy, you know, and he, he is, he's got a, a good sense of humor. And so um, I didn't hear him. I think I had a couple people tell me about it, something about, you know, smoking cigarettes and drinking beer at halftime or something like that. So, you know, no, we weren't doing that. But uh, I, you know, kind of a backhanded compliment, I think, is how he meant it, that, you know, he respected the style that we play and, and, uh, and you know, uh, let me say this, and I don't mean this—I don't mean this in any negative way at all. I think Bruce does a really good job there and tries to coach that group the best that he possibly can. That is a tough job. That is a tough job. I mean, maybe we get a better sense of it when we go. You know, we think we're playing downtown, so we stay downtown, and then we got to drive out to Hillsboro. Well, that's their home game, and their campus is right downtown. And uh, you know, I think it's not not easy. It makes me appreciate you know what i have here well you heard coach choate there talk about how tough it is for teams to prepare for a player like troy anderson the quarterback run element adding things to the mix that a lot of teams have a difficult time preparing for earlier this week anderson also sat down with members of the local media here's what he had to say well troy uh looking back at last year's game over there in cheney uh you feel like you guys maybe let a a chance to slip away in that game yeah um you know we definitely did i think uh, we had a few red zone turnovers which really killed us and um you know we couldn't get off the field on third down a few times and so you know like looking back it's kind of a what could have been so yeah overall playing quarterback now that you're back in the fold what have you become more comfortable in the position in this offense at quarterback um i think leading probably you know now that you know what you're doing and everything, you can kind of focus on um, helping get others where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do. Um, kind of just having more confidence in like your ability and the ability to lead others. I know that Coach Choke talked this week about getting back to the DNA these last two weeks. Maybe the first week we had a little bit of that and fell off in South Dakota State. So what does it mean to you to get back to some of the DNA principles here with this offense? Um, I think our DNA is, you know, run the ball usually. Um, so our offensive line kind of took it personal, and they they played they've performed really really well the last few weeks. Um, you know to be able to put up the kind of numbers that we've been putting up on the ground, and so you know try to continue to do that. Coach talked about you know red zone uh, production on, on offense, and um, you know protecting the ball as being big keys this week. In what ways are you you know going about that? Because I know. Like you mentioned, there were there were uh, some key red zone turnovers last mm-hmm. year, and I think you had one on a pitch that, mm-hmm. that got away. So, how are you uh, trying to hone in on those um, aspects? You know, going into this week, uh, I think just try to learn from our mistakes from last year and then earlier this year. You know, make better decisions with the football um, by being well prepared um, about knowing what they're going to do, knowing they're going to come at the ball, um, have good ball security, high and tight. So it's kind of like simple stuff like that. I think you guys have only turned it over four times as an mm-hmm. offense in four games, so that's pretty good. What do you think has been the, the key to that? Uh, I think we've really emphasized it in practice. You know, if you practice good habits, then, you know, you'll play with good habits. So uh, kind of done. From your time as a defensive player, um, I guess how tough is it, you know, preparing against a team that, that might have multiple options at quarterback? Or, or one that is a runner? Um, I think having a like a mobile quarterback is a like a threat. 
Um, you know, I think like Eastern Washington, they have a really good mobile quarterback. So you have to be able to contain him in the pocket, but then also be able to coverage and get to your responsibilities. So, um, you know, it's kind of dangerous. I know you have some experience wearing down defenses when you're playing running back. Now as you're playing quarterback, what's the difference with your running style? Is there a difference from when you were running back compared to now when you're a quarterback? Um, I don't know. I think no, not really. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you consider when you're running the football as a quarterback anything different in your mind? Do you think about it differently, or do you just try to attack defenders in, in a similar fashion? Yeah, I, um, so far I've just tried to attack defenders in a similar fashion and try to exploit, I don't know, mm-hmm. ways. You guys are number one right now in red zone offense. So what has been the key to that you know, aspect so far? Um, I think we've taken care of the ball down there. Um, coaches made great play calls, and then our guys have just executed. And like I said, I think the ability to run the ball has opened up, you know, other options for us. And so I think that's helped. I'm just kind of curious how you got uh, 15 as your number. Ah, uh, you know, I think Coach Ty texted all the freshmen one day, like when we were coming in, what numbers you guys wanted. I, I don't even remember what I said, but I just ended up with 15. <laughs> Does that mean any? Significance for you? No. <laughs> no. Sticking with it? Yeah. You talked about the O-line improving. What has gone into their improvement these last two or three weeks? Uh, I think they've just had a more like a physical mindset, and I definitely they've watched a lot of film, and they, they've been more prepared. Um, you know, after South Dakota State, it was kind of hard on us all. Uh, we all kind of took it personal, and, um, you know, I think Coach really uh, challenged them to come out with better intensity and better focus and these last few weeks they definitely have. Going between you to Tucker and then you again last week, is there a, an adjustment you know, for the receivers, do you think, at all between you know, those two styles of play a little bit? A little bit? You know, I, I guess I can't really speak for them, but I don't, it's awesome to have a, another option at quarterback. You know, Tucker came in against Portland State and was able to throw two great balls and you know, run the offense very well. So I think it's, it's awesome to have multiple options. How do you differentiate between yourself as a quarterback and also Tucker? Um, Playing styles. Man, I think, you know, I think, uh, I don't know. Tucker can do some different things that I probably can't do as well, and then I can probably do some things better than him in some aspects. Um, you know, so I think it's a, it's a good balance. What is different between the Portland State team last week and Eastern Washington this week? Um... I don't probably, you know, their physicality and their, uh, they're, they're kind of proven. Um, that's kind of what, like, we're right now, we're not proven, and they are. They're a proven commodity, like our coaches say. And uh, so, you know, we have to go in and we have to play a great game against them, knowing they're a great team. Um, so, you know, like, everything's heightened sense of awareness. You played uh, both offense and defense against them last year. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on Gage Gubrud as a quarterback, coach? You know, talked about him being as good as there is at this level. Yeah, I think he's really impressive. Um, like, obviously, his stats don't don't lie, and uh, you know, he's very mobile and athletic, and he doesn't make poor decisions with the football. He doesn't turn it over that much, um, and he has a lot of weapons around him. So, uh, you know, we'll need to contain them. You said not proven. Is this the game to do that? Is this the the staple game on the schedule to really put the Bobcats on the map? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think this is a great opportunity for us. You know, a home game against a top five ranked opponent. 
um, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to, uh, you know, show who we think we are and um, make a statement. And what do you think uh, Cassis, you know, he's been such a reliable guy for both you and Tucker. You know, what, what do you think makes him so, you know, so reliable and, um, I guess, you know, the ability to go to him as often as you guys do? Yeah, Kevin, he's a great leader on the team. You know, he's probably one of the hardest workers, if not the hardest worker on the entire team. Um, he leads the receiver group and he leads the offense as well. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he's always the first, first in, last out type of guy. Um, so you definitely can trust him in big moments. And then he's, he's a proven playmaker as well. Talk about some of the specifics on Eastern's defense and what they do well. Um, you know, I think they definitely, they can play, you know, they can play coverage, they can cover people, and then they can also get after the quarterback occasionally. So, you know, we're, you know, like they're very solid overall, you know, so we, uh, you know, we're just trying to watch film and learn as much as we can and prepare well. Regionally being in this area, did you have any memories of Eastern Washington when you were a kid? Like, what, how have you thought of them throughout your, your life here in this region? Um, yeah, they're, I mean, like I said, they're a proven program. They're always up there and, you know, they're always in the playoffs and they're always been very successful. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Sort of along those lines, I'm trying to get sound from a lot of the Montana guys. What is it like, you know, to be in Bobcat Stadium and be a Montana guy with all those fans? It's awesome. You know, growing up, you know, you watch the Cat Grizz game and you go, I was growing up watch, going to Cats games um, and it's awesome, you know, on third downs and it just, it's like a roar in there and so it's fun. And does your family ever come down and see you? Yeah, yeah, they, they come to every game. So there you have it, a pretty complete preview of this week's enormous showdown at Bobcat Stadium. It is Montana State and fifth-ranked Eastern Washington. Our pregame coverage all across the Bobcat Sports Network, 14 stations across the Treasure State, takes the air at noon. If you're not in a radio affiliate market, you can also catch it on the TuneIn app on your smartphone. We're all really excited for this one. We'll talk to you on a Saturday. Until then, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. It's also there for you at msubobcats.com. You can stay engaged and interactive with us. Email me, jsanderson at msubobcats.com, or follow me on Twitter at msubobcatsvoice. I'm Jay Sanderson. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Bobcat Insider. Be sure to stay up to date with all things Montana State Athletics by visiting msubobcats.com and by following the cats on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using the handle msubobcats. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation.